This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. So, I've got a finite amount of minutes and a bunch of things I want to talk about. Quickly, I want to give a big shout-out to... Uh, Starter, the uh, jacket company who invited me to a party today in New York City. Uh, they had an amazing event unleashing the new Bronx Bomber jacket for the Yankees and some other teams. And it was a live performance by one of my favorite hip-hop uh, recording artists, Jada Kiss from The Lock. So that was a lot of fun. I'll get into that in hour number three, maybe when we talk about open phones and whatnot. But right now, whew, this is a doozy. Hunter Biden's lawyers have until... I guess until midnight or I don't know what I didn't I didn't get through the whole story yet, but they uh, they've been caught lying to the clerk in the court in Delaware on the tax case. And lo and behold, they're in some big trouble. Let me give you some of the facts on this. The lawyers are facing sanctions after being accused of lying to the clerk in his his criminal tax case as the judge's orders uh, explain that they have to give an explanation of themselves by tonight. And this is only a a couple of hours ago. Hunter Biden's legal team in hot water, uh, saying that they played what the court is calling a dirty trick, a ploy to remove testimony from IRS whistleblowers from the court docket. The Delaware judge, Mary Ellen Norikia, Yeah, I think I said that right. Norica. Ordered Hunter's attorneys to explain themselves by 9 p.m. tonight. So we've missed a deadline. And I don't know what the uh, outcome of that is just yet because that was just an hour ago. Uh, But as far as I know, his lawyers have responded to the allegations that they conspired to lie to a court clerk in the first son's criminal case in Delaware by saying the incident was simply an unfair fortunate misunderstanding. Again, this is being reported by the Daily Mail. Again, Judge Marika ordered the first son's attorneys to explain themselves or to be sanctioned just before the deadline. Here we go. Update on this as I refresh. Hunter's lawyers from the firm Latham and Watkins, uh, 
the lawyer Matthew Salerno filed a response claiming the incident uh, was, again, an unfortunate, unintentional miscommunication. It was alleged that Hunter's lawyers sought to remove this testimony from the IRS whistleblowers about the Justice Department's lack of follow-through on a criminal investigation into his tax offenses from the court docket. And uh, the matter has been under consideration for, for some time. Appears to come from an unfortunate and intentional, this is what they're saying again, uh, miscommunication by a staff member at their law firm. <laughs> so imagine that. You hire these big-time lawyers. They show up in court. And all of a sudden, when something goes wrong, they're like, well, it's it's one of our people in our office. I mean, you got to forgive us, Judge. <laughs> you, you got to forgive I don't know if you're allowed to do that on these big cases like that, but we'll see. And I think it's it's fascinating that this comes um, just hours before Hunter is due to show face. And I didn't think he was going to have to show face. I thought they were going to decide this on the papers. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, it's my own ignorance of the law. But I didn't think he had to show up since he had already accepted the plea. And I thought he signed all those papers behind closed doors. But it looks like he will be showing up uh, to a hearing tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes. But very fascinating that... Everything that was once fake, everything that was once conspiracy theory, Russian disinformation, all this stuff is unraveling in the face of the Democrats. And it's, oh, my gosh, it's actually true. Hunter Biden really did bad things. Hunter Biden's lawyers are covering up the bad things he did. Joe Biden was involved. Right? Just all the evidence is pointing to it. There are actual witness, uh, you know, uh, whistleblowers and uh, what are these people called? Confidential human sources. So it's... Uh, very interesting. Anyway, uh, Salerno wrote that letter to the judge uh, just hours ago. Uh, he claimed that Jessica Bengals, the staffer accused of pretending to be from another law firm, has a phone number which should show up as Latham on the clerk's caller ID. Hmm. Salerno attached an affidavit from Ms. Bengals in which she claimed she initially called from called a different clerk named Julia from her Latham phone and identified herself truthfully, but later called back by the first clerk, Samantha. At around 11.54 a.m., another court employee called my Latham, Latham and Watkins phone number, which I believe she knew through caller ID, to let me know she would be removing the material from the docket. Bengals wrote she did not ask which law firm I was affiliated with and at no time during this call did I mention anything about my law firm affiliation. I believe there may have been some confusion when Julia passed the information on to the other court employee, resulting in a mistaken misunderstanding that I had called from Mr. Catilla's firm. I am completely confident that I never indicated I was calling from Mr. Catilla's firm or that I worked with him in any way. Earlier today, House Ways and Means Committee uh, Jason Smith filed a brief with Judge Narika suggesting that she toss Hunter's sweetheart plea deal with the Delaware prosecutors due to claims that they gave the president's son preferential treatment. So now um, some are claiming that Hunter's attorney, Chris Clark, and his former law firm later called the Delaware clerk pretending to be from the office of Smith's attorney, Theodora Catilla, asking them to remove the original filing and with it 448 pages of congressional testimony from the two IRS investigators who worked on the case. So this mis, uh, misunderstanding, this an unfortunate, unintentional misunderstanding 
is the same staffer calling both from her work phone and then from her personal phone and not identifying herself as a staffer at X firm, but at the other firm. So meaning she thought that the people that were representing the House Ways and Means Committee, who's also has a brief in with this information, was saying, oh, could you do me a favor and all that evidence that I put into the record, could you take it out? <laughs> and not saying, by the way, I'm the guy that, you know, uh, gets in trouble if you leave it in. Oh, my goodness. Talk about gaming the system. At least it looks that way. Uh, Mr. Cotilla quickly filed a second outraged letter to the judge saying, we promptly contacted the clerk's office and we were advised that someone contacted the court representing that they worked with my office and that they were asking the court to remove this from the docket. We immediately advised that this was inaccurate. In a fiery email exchange with Cotilla about the apparent uh, skullduggery, Hunter's lawyer Clark hit back denying any improper conduct and claiming that the clerk took the filing down on their own accord. How about that? The court clerk took the information out of the case because, you know, they felt like it. Okay, sure. The woman who uh, was, uh, again, Jessica Bengals, wrote that she worked with uh, Mr. Cotilla and that it was important that the document was removed immediately. And this is what the clerk wrote. Oh, boy. So this continues to unravel and unfold. And this is just one more example of how things are looking. Plus, Biden's asylum uh, program took a hit in federal court today as well. I mean, this is pretty bad. It's a bad day for the Bidens on the legal front. And we're going to get into this, of course, uh, a little bit more tomorrow because that'll be after the actual hearing that Hunter Biden has to go to. And we'll continue the rest of that discussion as well today on the information that we do have. I also want to talk about the attack on kids uh, because, again, we, we talk about that often, but it, it's, it doesn't seem to be going away, right? So I want to get to that as well. So don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here. 833-482-5337. valdez I'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. same thing. And I'm not a trained medical professional. Uh, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. Uh, I, that, that is a clip 
of a TikToker um, that Libs of TikTok um, curated and put on their feed, having a breakdown over their doctor asking about their sex. And it, this is an interesting thing because, you know, a month ago it was the big chant here in New York, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. And, and people weren't up in arms about that during Pride Month. And now you've got people that are literally freaking out. I mean, you've, I, I don't care if you think this is mental illness or not. How could you get mad at a doctor for asking questions to ascertain what's wrong with you, right? You, you sound like a man. You're taking testosterone to identify as a man, but you're actually pregnant and the doctor's just doing their job. I don't understand. But again, this is what happens when adults who willfully want to change their sex their gender, their identity, whatever, what have you. This is what they go through. Just imagine suckering a kid into believing they could do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. That's an attack on children. And that's what we have to pay attention to because, in my opinion, that's what needs to stop. And that's why I want to have a discussion with uh, Liz Wheeler. She's, uh, you've seen her on television and she's got a, a great program, uh, The Liz Wheeler Show, but she's got a book out. And it's called Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. And between the political indoctrination and the mental health and um, hypersexual indoctrination, our kids are facing um, something that I can say I've never faced. And, and I'm a dad of two. I've been a dad for more than 20 years, and I've never seen anything like this. Liz Wheeler, welcome to the program. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. This is one of my favorite topics because... I feel like I got away with it. You know, my, my kids are 18 and 22, and they know who they are. They're two little girls, and now they're bigger girls. And there's so many people just a little bit younger than me that have younger kids, and I feel so badly for them because they're in a fight that I was never in. Liz Wheeler. Yeah, this is one of the reasons that I wrote my book. The precursor to this book was actually a question that I had because – like I, like other parents across the country, realized during COVID specifically when we could look over children's shoulders when they were on Zoom school and we saw for the first time that this poison, whether it was critical race theory or transgender ideology or mm -hmm. even just moral relativism, that your truth, my truth is more important than the truth. I think that's, I the, realized most that's the most dangerous one. It may, I mean, it certainly it certainly ranks right up there. I mean, it feeds mm -hmm. into the other one. If you can destroy objective truth, then you can fill anyone's mind with anything and tell them that it's that it's the right thing. But I I wondered why this was all happening at the same time because it's very different than when you and I were young when we were in school or when your girls were in school. And it seems to me that this was happening in a concerted way. So I set out to find out why it was happening at once. And it turned out that the answer to that question isn't really why it's happening all at once. It's who is behind it. So what I do in my book is I recognize first that this is, this is not something new in the sense that the left has been trying to re-engineer our society for a long time. And unfortunately, they've done it very successfully. They've captured what I call four of the five foundational cultural institutions. They've captured the media. They've captured the education system, they've captured religion, they've captured the law, and they've just about captured the nuclear family. They've just about destroyed the family. Mm -hmm. The one element of the family that's left standing is children, which probably explains why the left is going after our children. Um, 
but I, what I do in the book is I name the names of the people behind the capture of our institutions that have allowed for the targeting of our children, because this is not just a threat to our kids. It, it is, of course, but it's also if we allow the left to capture our children, then our nation is done. We can't allow this to happen. I, I agree with you 100 percent. This is, um, I guess, you know, this should be our our last stand because what future can you expect if you've, again, you've erased truth, you've erased sex, gender. Uh, I mean, it, we're walking into a new generation where it's going to be like that man who heard the audio where they're going to, what do you mean you're calling me a woman? What do you mean do I have a uterus? What are you talking about? I mean, just the absolute uh, disarray uh, and, and destruction, in my opinion, of society. So let's, um, let's dig into this because, I mean, you've put together an amazing book, Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. Uh, from those, you said there were three areas. Let's talk about, uh, or was it three? Did I get that right? There are five major five. cultural institutions that, yeah, and four of them have pretty much been subverted. The media, the education system, religion, and the law. And the left is certainly working on destroying the family as well. Who was who the first person that you call out in the book? Oh, that's a good question. That would be Antonio Gramsci. So the five cultural institutions that I named are not my observation or my list that I compiled. One of the questions that I've gotten so far about this book is Marxism, really? Is it really Marxist, not just crazy leftists? And my answer to that is, yes, it's really Marxist, but not exactly the Karl Marx version of Marxist. So Karl Marx wrote in his Communist Manifesto, we're probably all familiar with this, that, that Marxism, a form of communism, is essentially an oppressed versus oppressor situation mm -hmm. where the ruling class oppresses the working class, the working class is supposed to revolt against the ruling class to abolish capitalism, usher in communism. And people are sometimes um, skeptical that we're facing Marxism right now. And what I explain in my book is I trace the history back to um, Antonio Gramsci was one of the founders of the Italian Communist Party, and he revived Karl Marx's economic Marxism, which honestly did kind of die out. It wasn't the success that Karl Marx wanted it to be. And Antonio Gramsci proposed a new idea. He said that the ruling or the working class would never revolt against the ruling class as long as the working class was relying on the civil institutions, which means cultural institutions, of the ruling class. So he proposed that in order to spark a Marxist revolution, we first have to destroy the civil institutions. And it's so crazy, Rich. During this research, when I'm, when I'm reading reams and reams of this poisonous Marxist document mm -hmm. from throughout history, I realize this is exactly what's happening in our, in our culture, in our country, in our society, to our children. And once you see this, you can't unsee it. You know, this is such a shame. And just, and I know you know this, Liz, but for the audience, uh, Antonio Gramsci, who, who is this kind of revolutionless uh, Marxist in Italy, today there there is an international Gramsci society, and you're never going to guess who's the head of that. All right, I'll tell you. He's the dad of a current Biden cabinet official. When we come back, I'll give you the answer. Don't go anywhere. 833-482-5337. 833 for Valdez. We're coming back with this video. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. 
From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. I want to listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And again, just to give you my trivia, uh, the one-time president of the International Gramsci Society was, in fact, Joseph Buttigieg. Isn't it funny how the apples don't so fall so far from the trees. Our guest, Liz Wheeler, was just talking about how um, the first person of five that she calls out in those five domains in her book, and let me just give you the title of her book because I, I hope you buy two copies. It is summertime, so you should be reading a little extra. Buy a book to give to someone else, so buy two books. Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. Liz Wheeler, welcome back. You, let's pick up where we left off. You gave us this um, interesting... Um, analysis on, on Gramsci, which I think is fantastic, because I think it's important that Americans know the the people that are behind this. 100%. And I echo that the, the fact that you just mentioned about Joseph Buttigieg, that is the father of Pete Buttigieg, current Secretary of Transportation. It was one of the facts that tickled me pink, if you will, when I was researching this, that he's actually the one that translated. Joseph Buttigieg is the one who translated Gramsci's cultural Marxist work into wow. English. This was not this was not something that had come organically to the United States until Joseph Buttigieg translated the work and it spread throughout the United States. And I also want to let people know that Antonio Gramsci is obviously long dead. This is a figure in history who came up with a poisonous idea and a political strategy. But many of the Marxists that I talk about aren't Marxists of old. Many of the Marxists are currently living, currently politically active mm. people. Like Emily Drabinsky is one of the Marxists I discuss. Emily Drabinsky is the president, the current sitting president of the American Library Association. The day that she was elected to this position, this is a position of immense power. She has purchasing power, recommendation power, influence over what your children are reading in the public library system. The day she was elected, she tweeted. She's since deleted this because she got so much blowback for it. But the Internet's forever. So the tweet lives on. She tweeted how amazed she was that a Marxist, a lesbian Marxist could be the president of the American Library Association. <laughs> these people, you have to believe them uh, when, when they say these things. And then just this week on Twitter, there was a video of Emily Drabinsky that was posted talking about how leftists need to organize. And of course, she means organize in the communist way, need oh, to sorry. organize to keep books like gender queer in the hands of children. 
Unbelievable. So I, I was going to ask a follow-up question, which was going to be, do you know if there's if she was an advocate for the drag queen story hour? Because that seemed to have taken on like wildfire at public libraries all across the country some years ago. And it, it makes a lot of sense to me because that's a, a big part of uh, of a lot of those in the communist movement is organizing amongst the um, LGBT community. The organization is a huge part of this. I mean, it goes back even to Barack Obama being a community organizer. We all sort of made fun of him at the time for that. We ridiculed him a little bit because it sounded like a fake job. But the deeper you dive into Marxist theory, you realize that that's a key part of agitating what they hope to be the vanguard of their revolution. And the books that are in some of these libraries contain the same ideology as drag queen story hour the 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 purpose or the the principles that these leftists are trying to indoctrinate children with are not just the elements of transgenderism nonsense it's not an arbitrary collection of nonsense these principles are the principles of queer theory you and I and a lot of people listening to this are very familiar with how this works with critical race theory, how mm-hmm. technically critical race theory is a Marxist theory, but it's not taught abstractly in schools. It's taught the principles of it are taught as truth, like white, white children are told that they are inherently racist because they're white or black children are told they're inherently oppressed because they're black. And that's the principles of critical race theory being taught as truth, although the abstract version is a neo-Marxist theory. That's the, that's the same thing that's happening with the transgender ideology. The transgender ideology is actually the principles of a neo-Marxist theory called queer theory. Queer theory is the foundational, the underpinning of the, transge- of the transgender ideology, this idea that boys can be girls if they want to be, or girls can be boys if they identify, and that gender is a spectrum and unrelated to biological sex, et cetera, et cetera. This poison, again, it's not an arbitrary collection of nonsense. It comes directly from a woman. She's alive and well today in America named Gail Rubin. She's, she wrote the founding document on queer theory. I analyze it in the book because it's not just dangerous to our children in the sense that it's destroying objective truth about sex and gender, although I don't even like the word gender. She advocates for child pornography and pedophilia. I mean, this stuff is nasty. These are like um, these uh, sickos from that crazy doctor, uh, Kinsey. Unbelievable. Now, let me, exactly. Quick, it's exactly quick question, right. Uh, before you get into that, I just wanted to say, did did you ever invite Miss Rubin on your program to have a discussion with her? We plan to. In fact, every person named in this book, if they are if they are living or any professional who is currently a propagator of the people who aren't living, the, that ideology are welcome on my show. I'd love to have discussions with them. I, w- I, I'm, I'm I would love to see if they accept. To- <laughs> I'm just, me too. <laughs> we will keep, we will, you'll have to stay tuned on that. But everybody in this book, I mean, we're going to be sending copies of this, of this book to the people named in this book because we hope they respond. We hope they engage in this dialogue. They've been doing work that's had impact on our children in ways that have destroyed hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of children bodily and spiritually. It's awful. The second half of this book, by the way, it's worth mentioning. The first half, I name the names of these Marxists, whether it's, whether it's the ideology of Marxists from the past, whether it's living Marxists that are currently the head of these organizations, um, and, and we expose who it, is, who it is behind the capture of these institutions. The second half of the book, I offer a solution that I will tell you, Rich, is different 
than the solution offered by the Republican Party for how we can recapture these institutions and how we can save our children. Because what we as Republicans and conservatives have been mm-hmm. doing, our strategy for the past 50 years is not working. That's true. Let me remind everybody how they get two copies of this book. Uh, you go to where do they go to get a copy of the book or two? You can go directly to hideyourchildrenbook.com, hideyourchildrenbook.com. It gives you all the options of where you can purchase it there. Um, or you can find it anywhere that anywhere books are, at least until it's censored. Right, until they until kick you out. All right, folks, go there now. I'd recommend before you get it, this is a pretty hot commodity. Hide your children, exposing the Marxists behind the attack on America's kids. And when we come back with Liz Wheeler, we're going to talk about the proposed solution and how it differs from what we're hearing. And let me tell you, I think we need all the solutions we can get. So don't go anywhere. We're coming right back with Liz Wheeler. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, we're on with Liz Wheeler. And I see we've got calls from Charleston, South Carolina, Brooklyn, New York, and from Dallas, Texas on KLIF. Let's quickly go to Al, who has a question for our guest, Liz Wheeler. Al, quickly go right ahead. Yes, uh, Rich uh, Valdez and Liz Wheeler. Uh, I don't know if it was Lennon. Trotsky or Marx that wrote it, but I know it's one of the basic foundational tenets of communism is the abolition of private property. And I think most millennials are not aware of this or they wouldn't be wanting or thinking that they want communism. Excellent point, Al. Liz Wheeler? You're exactly right. It's the same thing that that's not just old-fashioned Marxists Marxists that want the abolition of property. If you look at the Marxists, for example, that run the Black Lives Matter movement, these are women who, again, openly admit, this is Alicia Garza and Patrice Coolers, admit that they are trained Marxists. Part of the platform of the Black Lives Matter movement is the abolition of capitalism. It's it's anti-capitalist activism because at the end of the day, they're using culture as a tool to do what Gramsci wanted, to, to, to destroy the civil institutions in order to get to economic Marxism, which calls for the abolition of private property. You're exactly right. Thank you, Al. And, you know, it's funny how, you know, Marx writes these things, and then you have others like Gramsci and these others that take this and, and bring it to the umpteenth power. And here we are today with children that are subscribing to the theories taught by, like, World Economic Forum, where they say you can, you can own nothing, but you'll love it. It'll be terrific. And it's a sad day. So now, Liz Wheeler, we were uh, we left off with you telling us about the solution to uh, protect our children. Go for it. Yeah. So this is one of the parts of my book that I'm the proudest of. The second half of this book, or the last three chapters specifically, because I challenge conservatives to grapple with a difficult question that we haven't 
really thought about in a couple of decades. And that question is, we're supposed to be a free country, but is freedom the ultimate goal or is freedom the means to something greater? Because if freedom is the ultimate goal, if freedom is moral in and of itself, then things like the drag queen story hour that you mentioned earlier, Rich, would be moral because those mm-hmm. men dressed as sexualized versions of women gyrating in front of children would have the freedom to, to do that in front of children. And yet you and I and everyone listening to this program tonight knows that that's not moral. It's just grotesque. It's despicable. Yeah. It's immoral. And so we're left with this other option that freedom must be the means to something greater. So what is that something greater? It turns out this question is not a new question that I'm posing. This is a question that, w- that are the framers of our Constitution grappled with, and they defined what it was, what the something greater is that liberty or freedom is supposed to be the means to, and that something is justice. And they defined justice as original justice, original justice meaning natural law. And I know some listeners might say, well, are you proposing a theocracy? Are you talking about religion? And the answer is no, I'm not proposing a theocracy. And yes, I am talking about religion. I'm not, I'm not proposing that everyone must be a practicing Christian or a practicing Jew. You certainly don't have to. But we have to recognize that in order for our constitutional republic to function and for our society to flourish, that we have to have a baseline understanding of the definition of right, wrong, moral, immoral and justice. And those definitions have to come from natural law. Otherwise, we will live in a society of utter chaos, which is what we're living in right now. 100% right. Uh, Folks, we're on with Liz Wheeler. If you haven't checked out her program, you should. The Liz Wheeler Show. You can find that at LizWheeler.com and wherever it's available. And you got to check out her website for the book, HideYourChildrenBook.com. It's HideYourChildrenBook or just Hide Your Children? HideYourChildrenBook.com. Good. I'm glad I got it right. HideYourChildrenBook.com. And again, the book, Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. I recommend getting two copies, one for yourself and hopefully the other one for a public school teacher if you can. (laughs) Maybe you can get three. If you can afford it, get that third one and give it to a teacher. I know times are rough. Bidenflation is real. But this book has the facts that they need in order to do what they have to do. And I highly recommend it, especially if you know somebody that has small children or you live in a neighborhood where there's small children, or you pay property taxes and school taxes are attached to that, trust me, you want this. Because if we don't fix this problem now, it's going to be, I'm going to say perpetual, because it's been perpetual and it's only getting worse. Liz Wheeler, let everybody know how they could find you on social media. That's exactly right. This problem is not going away on its own. It's up to us to fight back against these Marxists. The Marxists know that their time is now or never, and they are pulling out all the stops. So go to hideyourchildrenbook.com, get your copy today. You can find me on Twitter at Liz underscore Wheeler. And please sign up for my email newsletter at LizWheeler.com and subscribe to the Liz Wheeler Show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, Rich, so much for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm going to subscribe. I think I like your show. I love the book, and I wish you much success. Hope you'll come back soon. Of course. Appreciate it. You got it. All right, folks, check out the book. And, of course, we're going to get to your calls and more straight ahead. The phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833 482 
All right, America, welcome back. To the phones we go. Let's go to Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Check in with Robert quickly. Go right ahead. Okay, uh, Rich, I just wanted to say that, you know, I I don't seriously believe that um, uh, if if young people, very young people, see attractive pictures of guys that they're suddenly going to switch to being gay and that there's no chance of rescuing them or anything like that. I don't think that's what we're even talking about. I think what we're discussing here is the the critical queer theory that the communists came up with back in the Bolshevik era on how they could do this to other people in other countries to divide and conquer people and kind of uh, get them separated into groups uh, and and how that's happening today where from nothing more than a smokescreen and to provide fodder for future mental illness. It's not so much about any fear of children becoming gay or a gay takeover or anything like that. Moreover, it's just about grouping people so that they can become activists, whether they become gender activists, climate activists. The whole point is that they don't espouse any type of national identity, like um, saying, you know, like, hey, we're all Americans, but we think differently. It's more like, hey, if, if you are against me, then we're against you. And it creates strife. And that is ultimately the goal of the Marxist but yeah, good observation, Robert. I appreciate it. Big shout to everybody in WTMA country. Uh, let's continue. Let's go to Brooklyn, New York on WFAS, which I like to say stands for We Are Free American Speech. Alex, go right ahead. Hey, Frank. Thanks for, uh, um, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Frank's after for me. Taking the call. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, when it comes to the schools, I think one of the solutions that we can have from stopping these crazy people from, you know, putting their ideology on our children and there's many, you know, different horrible things they're doing, instead of giving the money straight to the public schools and the teachers' unions, I think we should give each parent, you know, kind of like a, a card where they can then decide to send their student, their, their child, whichever school they want to send them to, and th- th- they'll give the school that card, and that, and that way the school is going to charge the money, because then you'll have competition, and the schools are going to behave in a way better way than they're doing now, because they're going to have to impress the parents, and they're going to have to give a good education, and they're going to have to stop with these shenanigans. But I wanted to say about impeaching Joe like Biden. Like a school voucher almost. Interesting forth. idea. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. What else did you want to say about, about Biden? Uh, Kevin McCarthy, he, he's putting forward, you know, impeaching Joe Biden possibly. I think it'd be a waste. Number one, it's not going to pass the Senate. But if the goal here is to get rid of Joe Biden in, in the election, that would be a shame because I think he's the most beatable from all the Democrats. And if he's in the race as the Democratic nominee, the Republicans stand the strongest chance. So let's keep him up there and, you know, hope he survives 2024 and then loses to President Trump or whoever the Republican nominee is in a very easy way for us because he literally, you know, did so many horrible things when it comes to his policies, and he's ineluctable. I have a little bit of a different view, and I I see your point. I don't necessarily disagree. 
I, I think I just, my view is different on this because A, I think Kamala Harris is the best person to run against. Absolutely the best person. She is incredibly bad at this stuff. Really, incredibly bad. Like, I, I don't think she ever ran for, for a real office, right? When she was appointed to the Senate while she was still AG, she was uh, appointed to vice president. She ran for president and did miserably. She has zero, like, electability. Nobody's even, there's not enough people that could say, hey, I voted for her. You know, it's, it, she's just, she's the best person. Uh, she's horrible at talking. It's, it's just, she's terrific. I'd love to run against her. Uh, that's number one. Number two is I think you have to do the impeachment because you have to say, hey, look, all this criminality, or at least what we're seeing, to me, it seems like um, there, there's something wrong here. And if Trump can go on a telephone call and speak with this guy, then obviously, if you're taking bribes or even the appearance of that, we should exercise our um, impeachment authority. Alex, thank you for the call. Folks, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two is coming up, and we've got more great conversation on the way. I'm Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And our phone number, if you want to join us tonight on our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free. The phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And, of course, you can get us on social media, at Rich Valdez with an S. The story I was mentioning before, I just want to cover a couple of headlines with you, because, of course, we know that... Uh, Hunter Biden's lawyers were about to get sanctioned because they got caught in a lie on what they're calling a scheme, a dirty trick, and uh, calling the court saying, hey, take these papers out of our filing. The clerk uh, thought that it was an attorney from the other side's uh, counsel, and it turned out to be the clerk from the actual uh, plaintiff's, uh, I'm sorry, the defendant's uh, lawyer, Hunter Biden's lawyers, and um, that confusion got them in a, in a world of hurt. They just said, oh, my bad. We think that was a mistake. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to fly, but that's the story on that one. The other story I wanted to mention was, and this one's really just a, a sad one. I don't know the update on this now. Uh, it seems like, uh, thank God, uh, LeBron James's son was rushed to the hospital with cardiac arrest earlier today. He's now in stable condition and no longer in ICU um, I don't wish that on anybody's family. So my thoughts, prayers are definitely with um, with them. Definitely a, a, a very tough situation that I never want to be in. And listen to this. Federal judge blocks a key Biden administration asylum rule at the core of his post-Title 42 strategy. And uh, this is a pretty big blow to uh, Biden saying that not everybody that shows up is going to be allowed to walk right in. So um, kudos to the federal courts for upholding the law. 
of course, shame on Joe Biden for doing what he typically does. And speaking of Biden, and uh, he's out there today talking about mental health and all, all sorts of things. But he um, allegedly now has interacted with his son Hunter's clients over 200 times in the run-up to the 2020 election. The clients that he said he never had any interaction with. So we're going to learn a little bit more about that at the top of the next hour. And one more. Listen to this. Um, the woman who purchased the uh, one of Hunter Biden's famous art pieces. Now, I'm not saying that if you buy the art, you get access. But she did visit the White House over a dozen times. So... Everybody who's wanted to hang out with Joe Biden, now you know what you got to do. Save up 75K, buy yourself a nice piece of art, and you're in. <laughs> and, and there's a few other things I want to get to. But uh, one of the articles that uh, came across my desk today is this one from Campus Reform. Listen to this. The far-reaching consequences of radical indoctrination. You definitely want to pull up a chair, get comfortable, and listen to this. All right? If you missed the first hour of the show, don't worry. You've been redeemed. You have absolution. You can listen to hour number two. And, of course, hour number three is going to be great. Everybody gets to call in. and It's, it's, it's a free-for-all. You're going to love it. But I want you to listen to this, and I want you to listen for the full hour here because this is going to be a very interesting conversation. Why? Because we just talked about how they're coming after your kids. Well, now I want you to see how they're maintaining that onslaught on your teenagers and into grad school the far-reaching consequences of radical indoctrination. And listen to the, just the, the first, um, the, the lead here. Gone are the days when America's colleges and universities nurtured independent-minded individuals, primed for the challenges of the workforce. To restore faith in our institutions, they must operate above reproach and free from political bias. Now, I think this is a 100% true statement. I feel that today... We're not really producing people, not I feel, just look at the numbers. We are producing graduates from, from so many schools that aren't suited to be successful in the areas where we need the most help, right? This is why we import so many of our STEM uh, professionals, because we're not producing them here in the United States. If you go to a hospital, it's not every day you see a Johnson, a Smith, a whatever, uh, an American name, right? And again, an American name can be any name, obviously. But you don't see too much of that anymore when you go to a hospital from anybody, any part of the staff, whether it's a doctor, because so many medical professionals from nurses to others are being imported because we're not providing a rigorous situation, uh, academic situation for them. So we're going to get into that with my buddy, Professor Nick Giordano. Of course, he's been on the program before. He's a professor of political science at Suffolk County Community College. He's also the host of the PAS Report, and he is the Campus Reform Higher Education Fellow who wrote this piece. So I figured, hey, let's go straight to the source. Professor Nick Giordano, welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me, Rich. And you missed the uh, top story of the day. President Biden apparently cured cancer. Who knew? <laughs> I saw that all over Twitter. And I said, oh, my goodness, what an embarrassment. And, you know, we cured, we cured Ken. I said, you know what, if I play that on the radio, people are going to think it's true. And people are going to be like, you know, Biden cured cancer. Because, I mean, he said that when he ran. He said, you know, we're going to cure cancer. Unbelievable. I, I just can't with him with that one. Now, that's it's, funny. It's a reflection of everything, though. It really sums up the United States at this point. Uh, I feel so insulted. 
<laughs> I really, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. Oh, you got yeah, and it's all because of Joe Biden, honestly. Oh, anyway. Well, I won't um, blame the education system on him. This is, you know, long, time long in the making. Yeah, you're right. That's true. And and it's uh, it's not only is it long in the making, and he long in the tooth, but this is a problem that is. It seems to be getting worse as we go on. It's not just a lingering problem. It's it's a perpetual and a pernicious one. It is. And one of, you know, conservatives have been harping about indoctrination on college campuses for, for the last, you know, two decades. And it even goes beyond that. But what we're witnessing isn't just indoctrination. It morphs into almost a brainwashing that's going on, and it's the entire education system. When you look at it, I've been harping about the collapse of the American education system for a long time. And so at the same time you have this indoctrination going on, we're not really teaching students anything. We're not creating productive members of society, people that are workforce ready. And it's really been a disaster. I mean, and all you have to do is think to yourself, doesn't it seem, appear today, that every aspect of life is now politicized? Every aspect of life is now ideological, whether you're in the public sector or the private sector. And it's because what the colleges have been churning out is not productive citizens. They've been churning out activists. These activists then go into the public and private sectors and begin to inject their ideology rather than do their job. And so that was the basis of this article, because when I look at what's going on in the United States, it's almost unrecognizable in this day and age. So let's take the private sector first. You look at the public corporations. They become political animals. They get involved in all these different social issues. Why have they become so social? It used to be that private corporations would only get involved when either the federal or the state government is passing laws in regards to their business, you know, approving regulations, whatever it may be. They would get involved then and try and influence the process. But they would never get involved in uh, issues like abortion or gun control or anything like that. And what what we're seeing now is that's all changed. So why has it changed? And it's because the ideologues have taken over. And I think Bud Light is really one of the greatest examples. Here you have a a vice president of marketing that graduated from Wharton Business School in 2013. Now, Wharton Business School, this is supposed to be one of the top business schools in the entire country. And yet the vice president of marketing forgets the first rule of business which is know your customer, and she was the one that was responsible for the ill-fated uh, Dylan Mulvaney campaign. Well, in the end... Why, you think that was a I'm, bad idea? Yeah, I would say so. You know, when you lose $27 billion of market value... <laughs> become the, like, the really... 11th uh, most drank beer? Or at least <laughs> yeah, right? Beer, I should say. From number one to number 11. I think yeah. it's actually down to 15 now. So you really see how they go into these workplaces. If you look at Disney, you have Disney executives openly talking about a not at all secret gay agenda that they want to push. Now, what does that have to do with cartoons for kids? Well, nothing. This is what they're trying to give kids the impression of and and try and cultivate them. You look at Coca-Cola and their training seminars for their employees, the Be Less White seminars. So this is the private sector. I, I just want to pause for a second because, you know, every now and again, someone will say something like, and of course, someone with no children uh, will say something. Well, well, well who cares if, if you show, I think we just had a caller 
saying something similar, saying, you know, who cares if they show them, you know, um, gay pictures, if they show them pictures of attractive people of the same sex, do you think that's going to turn them gay? Like, what's the big deal? Well, it's the big deal is nobody wants anything pushed on their children, especially when you get into complex topics. I mean, you don't need, I don't have conversations with my children about being straight. I'm not going to sit there and talk to five, six, and seven-year-olds uh, about what straightness is, what, what is being gay mean, what is transgender being really mean. These aren't conversations that we should be having with children at these young ages. Right, okay. because parents have the right to talk to kids about sex when and Absolutely. if they should, right? Not the school. And I think this is the part that falls on deaf ears, especially people with no children who say, oh, what's the big deal? That's the freaking big deal. It's my kid. Stay away. Sorry, just had to put well, that out there. It's funny because when you look at like the drag time story hours, right? The, or the drag shows. Perfect example. Well, why are they bringing children to this? They're saying that it's adult entertainment. So why are you bringing children? Right. To bring, a, bring a bunch of adults that like drag queens to your library. Well, I couldn't bring my two kids to a strip club. That I would be a pariah. Not yet, would, not yet would, Nick. Not yet. No, it would never be allowed. Even though they learn about money management and anatomy, it just wouldn't be allowed, and it shouldn't be allowed. But when we look at when we look at this, so in Tennessee, they passed laws restricting drag shows to adult entertainment establishes that have to be several hundred feet away from schools and churches and stuff like that. We have the same laws for strip clubs in New York, and everyone makes a big deal about what they did in Tennessee. So we're living in these bizarre times where they're injecting it. But here's the thing with the private sector. We get to decide where we're going to spend our money. And so we do have some say. We do have some choice. And we can push back against these companies. At the same time, it's a double-edged sword. Because when Anheuser-Busch is losing $27 billion in market value, well, every single person that has a 401k, an IRA, a deferred compensation plan, they're taking a hit because there's definitely Anheuser-Busch stock in some of those accounts uh, through the mutual funds. But we could still push back. What really concerns me is the government Mm -hmm. and how ideological government bureaucrats have become over the last several years, and we've all witnessed it right before our eyes. I mean, the pandemic is the single greatest example of how bureaucrats decided that they were going to go out and censor anyone that went against the government narrative. Now, obviously, conservatives were censored more as a group than any other political affiliation. But it wasn't just conservatives. It was anyone that questioned and criticized the government was censored. So where did these bureaucrats, yes, the older, the higher level people, they're the ones that approve these programs, but the higher level people, like uh, Mayorkas, has been there for years he's been in government service. He didn't come up with this idea. And so it's you, you have the younger generations that graduated from these indoctrination institutes. They go into the workplace. They begin to infect the workplace. They come up with these solutions. So if you look at censorship, Think about, for the last 20 years, how college campuses have become hostile to guest speakers that they disagree with. They Mm -hmm. shout them down. They try and run them from campus. They try and get student groups they disagree with to shut down. They they attack other students who may voice their opinions. And it's all an attempt to instill this sense of fear, and now they're bringing it into the government apparatus. Ironic thing is the, the information that was deemed misinformation by the government 
from people like Dr. J. Bhattacharya. Well, Bhattacharya turned out to be right. And the government was the one that actually was putting out a lot of misinformation. So this is a real problem when we look at the FBI. A lot of people don't realize, but the FBI expanded dramatically after 9-11. And the amount of funding they received after 9-11, because we had to chase down terrorists. We had to take down yep. al-Qaeda. Hang on right there with al-Qaeda. We're going to take a quick pause. We're coming right back with Professor Nick Giordano. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America. Welcome back. Our guest, Professor Nick Giordano. He's host of the PAS Report. He's a professor of political science at Suffolk Community College. And he was just explaining to us all of the different things. And it was a great conversation. We were rudely interrupted by my producer in my ear. How dare you? Like Greta Thunberg said. But uh, Nick, you left off with uh, Al-Qaeda. And just let's walk right through that so that people are caught up. So when we look at the ideological indoctrination that goes on and how it affects the bureaucracy, you take the FBI, you look at how the threat was al-Qaeda. That was the focus. And I was speaking with the former supervisory intelligence analyst, George Hill. He's retired, and he's also an FBI whistleblower. And he was explaining that the newly minted FBI agents, they were coming in with this young, immature, and entitled attitude. Now, he, at a meeting with the director at the time, Comey, and with uh, Comey's acolytes, he explained that they should suspend the four-year degree requirement and hire veterans that worked in team environments and that understood how to operate and collaborate with each other. However, he was dismissed, and it's because George was worried that he saw ideology take precedence over the agency mission. I mean, even when I was in emergency management, I would never give more resources to Republican areas over Democrat areas. That thought would never cross my mind. What we have is activist bureaucrats. And as the threat of al-Qaeda has diminished, what have we noticed? Well, the threat of white supremacy has increased tremendously, according to them. Because if the threat diminishes, then you don't need all the funding. So we have to create a new threat. And this is the problem that we're in, where we have these ideologues in these offices that are using the the powers, the levers of government, to target American citizens. That's what it comes down to. The Founding Fathers' worst nightmare has become a reality. It's an all-powerful bureaucracy that's corrupted by political ideology. Crazy stuff. Um, Excellent piece. I recommend you take a look at it. Now, Nick, tell everybody... um, if they tune in to your podcast, and it's great, I've been a guest on it a couple of times, the PAS Report, um, let everybody know what they can expect. Well, they go to PASReport.com. I talk about a wide range of issues, and I bring in the intent of the Founding Fathers. What is the intent behind the system and where we've deviated? I mean, we've gone far astray. Even today, I was talking about capitalism, and People think that the United States has a capitalist economy. We don't. We have a mixed economy. It's actually a little bit of socialism and a little bit of capitalism, but it's not a fully capitalist economy. Our education system is broken, and so that's one of the topics I focus on a lot, because if you fix the education system, if you get rid of the ideological rot, 
you can fix the problems in the country. Outstanding. Professor Nick Giordano, thank you for being with us, folks. Give him a follow at PAS Report on social media and subscribe to the podcast. And brother, good luck with the column. Hope to have you back real soon. Thank you for having me. You got it. We're coming right back. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. America, welcome back. Rich Valdez here with you, and uh, we're going to continue our conversation. Right now, I want to switch gears, though, because the host of the Stay Young America podcast is with us. Her name is Judy Gammon, and in particular, what we want to talk about tonight is how a good night's sleep sets us up for the next day. Now, this is something we all know, right? We all know that sleep is critically important. But I think we're learning more about sleep now than we've ever known in the past, like that you you need different amounts at different ages and that that whole um, they say eight hours, but most of us do like four or six (laughs) is kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of wrong. Right. I think we actually need more than that. So I want to get with Judy Gammon because uh, she knows a little bit more about this than I do. Judy, welcome to the program. Oh, it's my pleasure to be on. I'm glad we're talking about this very important topic. Me too. Me too. Because being a late night radio host, I don't get as much sleep as I probably should. And it took me forever to get into the rhythm of this. And I don't even know if I'm in the rhythm of it now. Like there's days, you know, two o'clock rolls around three o'clock and I've been out of work for a couple of hours and I'm still not sleeping. End up taking, you know, like melatonin or something to help me go to sleep. And some people say it's good. Others say it's bad. And I would just rather just fall asleep on my own. Uh, but let's talk about how much sleep we need and at what age and what determines that, Judy Gammon. Well, that's a really important thing to talk about because it, it does vary with age. And when we look at children, we often think about how much they need because they're growing. So about 10 to 13 hours in a 24-hour period. This is where naps come in, and they're very important to those young children. And then as we get like into that 6 to 12 age group, we can go down to uh, you know, 9 or 12 in that 24-hour period. But then as we become teenagers, this is really important because a lot of people uh, say the teenagers, they need to go to bed earlier and they need to, to get up, you know, rise with the sun, but that's not the way they're wired. There's a, a shift in those circadian rhythms. They still need that 8 to 10 hours of sleep, but a teenage mind actually shifts and they, they do stay up later. And it's not because they want to be defiant. So when you have a teenager in the house and they just say, I can't get up that early, they're telling you the truth. <laughs> and they say, I can't go to bed that early. So that, we know uh, this. Early. And instead of opening mm-hmm. schools a little later for like high school, we force them to come in even earlier. Oh, yeah. It's a real problem when, we get in, when they get into college. Because then they really tend to stay up later. Everyone else is staying up later. They're not in an environment 
where they're being kind of forced to at least try to go to sleep earlier. But then they have those 7, 8 a.m. classes and they really struggle. And we see things like weight gain, depression, all the things that are they're related to that lack of sleep. Now, you know, this is somewhat unrelated, but um, I bring everything back to ADHD because I'm an ADHDer. And I know that for many people, if you don't get diagnosed with ADHD, uh, which a lot of, especially women or girls, uh, don't get that diagnosis until after high school because it's harder to diagnose in girls and especially if they're athletic. Um, but it hits them in college when they're not as athletic and they're, you know, bogged down with that type of work. And uh, I know several that have gone to college and they're just like, I can't wake up early. And, and they they have to go to sleep really late uh, because that's just how that works. And And I find that to be just so interesting and in sync with what you're telling me. Yeah, definitely. One thing that we found at Executive Medicine of Texas, where I'm the CEO, we have a, a program really dedicated to, to teens and college students because we saw there was a big need for that. We see a lot of executives, but they were talking to us about their teens saying, we've got this, you know, these issues with our teen, ADHD being one of those. And what we found in kids these age, uh, these ages is that a lot of times they have micronutrient deficiencies. So we find in their blood like work Like which that, ones, for example? Well, it can vary. We see things like copper deficiencies. A lot of times there's vitamin D or the B vitamins. Uh, we, we do this micronutrient test. We check for 27 different uh, nutrients and such. And it's, it's really amazing that they're not all the same ones. And we think we eat well. We, we think we do all these things. Of course, as a teenager, they don't eat as, as good as we'd like them to. But we still find them. When we get them corrected, we've had a lot of these kids come off of their ADHD medicine just by getting these things corrected. Now, it doesn't mean it's, a, it's right for everyone. It doesn't mean that we're going to, to cure them. We, we may definitely help them. But the, we've seen a lot of students turn around their grades, turn around their moodiness, even turn around their sleep patterns, which is what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to, to really pay attention to this. Now, what is, um, what, what, I guess, is this a short-term solution? Is it a long-term solution? What, what does it look like when you um, help, let's just say, a teenager? that it says, hey, look, I'm, this isn't working for me, and you identify some of these micronutrient um, deficiencies, and how, how long before it turns around and they're able to get off medicines and, and just take these uh, vitamins? Well, sometimes it, it's pretty quick, depending on what the deficiency is uh, and how quickly we can get it, it turned around. And how compliant they are with taking their supplements. You know, we're talking about an age group that tends to forget or, you know, it's not top of mind. They think they're going to live forever. And so getting them to, to really understand the importance of, hey, you know what, you need, you need to take this multi or you need to take this multi plus these other trace minerals. But once they see a difference. This is this is when it kicks in, and they're like, "Wow, my life is so much easier now because my brain's working, and I I don't have cramps in my legs, and I don't have all these other things that that we see in this age group." And I, I would I would say it can be a few weeks to a, a month or two, just really depending on 
on a few things. You know, what was the deficiency and how compliant are they in correcting the deficiency issue? And then we, of course, talk to them about diet. We have functional nutritionists. Yeah, diet, hydration. Oh, yeah. And just say, you know, we don't want you just popping supplements. We really want you to pay attention to what, what you're putting in your body. You want to fuel your body and you need to fuel it with the right things and, and lay off the fried foods and the carbohydrates and <laughs> the sugars and all the things that, that this age group tends to really lean on. All right, folks, we're on with uh, Judy Gammon. She is the host of the podcast, Stay Young America and CEO of Executive Medicine out in Texas. And when we come back, uh, your calls and more, Judy Gammon is available to answer your questions on sleep. And the number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. we go let's go to raymond he's on the road near valdusta georgia wvga uh and uh let's um let's see what's on your mind raymond go right ahead yes sir thank you mr valdez i always listen to your radio station when i'm in the area uh very informative uh show and i want to thank judy for being on tonight um it's a struggle uh being over the road truck driver especially with the uh, things, uh, the, the lane that I'm on is like some days the loads are delayed or stuff like that. I think so my sleep pattern gets very disruptive. Uh, and I'm a firm believer that you definitely need sleep in order to be out on this road. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm just trying to see if there's any advice, uh, that, uh, Ms. Judy can possibly give as far as to help, um, uh, with the disruptive sleep pattern that you, uh, experience as an over the road truck, truck driver. Thanks, Raymond. I appreciate that. I think that's an excellent question. Judy Gammon, go right ahead. Raymond, what you're experiencing is what so many uh, people do that have these shift differentials. And being a truck driver, you have to stay alert, as you know. And one thing that we've always told our patients is to have a routine. Because if your circadian rhythm, which yours is, gets mixed up from time to time, not because it's your fault, because of delays and such, then having a routine becomes even more important. So when you go to sleep, whether that is, you know, you journal or you play uh, some kind of music or you sip some kind of tea like chamomile tea or whatever it is, that will trigger your body to say, okay, it's time to go to sleep. And resist the urge to get on your phone or on a tablet or anything that's going to create blue light because you don't want to have that that trigger to keep you awake, which does shut down your body's ability to go to sleep. Blue light, as we know, 
inhibits the body to produce its own melatonin. I feel your pain. I think that there are a lot of people that, that really have the struggle when they work these, these different shifts and their, their schedules get mixed up. But that is some of, some of the, the best advice I can give you is to have a routine so that you can tell your body when to go to sleep because just looking at the clock isn't going to do it for you. And Judy, what do you think about um, sleep aids like melatonin, magnesium, things like that for people like Raymond that are over the road truck drivers that need to obviously sleep? Um, Do you recommend that or no, because it might be an unpredictable schedule and then they're too tired? Well, you kind of just answered the question. If If you don't have the ability to sleep eight hours, just stay away from them because your body will kind of slow down and it'll go into sleep mode and it doesn't matter if your alarm clock goes off or the you know the schedule is you have to get up your body won't be able to wake up and be as alert as you'll need to be on the road so I would really avoid those unless you know you can get the eight hours of sleep and another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that things like melatonin are not meant for long-term use they never were meant for long-term use they're only supposed to be used on occasion or at at best uh, for six months stent and and not any longer than that because you don't want your own body to not be able to to produce its own melatonin and such and then when we get into prescription sleep aids now that's a whole other story because they can be addictive and Mm. they can have terrible side effects so I know you mentioned magnesium. That's you know that's a really good one. It can also help with cramps and things, especially if you are sitting long term and and your diet's not great. But again, it will make you sleepy and it'll make you hard to make it hard to wake up and be really alert unless you can really say you're going to get seven eight hours of sleep. Makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Raymond, for the call. I appreciate it. And uh, folks, Thanks, again, Raymond. we're on with Judy Gammon. CEO of Executive Medicine uh, over in Texas and host of the podcast, Stay Young America. When we come back, we're going to get to the rest of your calls and we're going to wrap up with Judy Gammon. So don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, welcome back. We're on with Judy Gammon. She is the CEO of Executive Medicine Texas. We're talking about getting enough sleep and uh, sleep issues. And I can tell you, I've been through plenty of my own. Uh, But we have some callers. We've got calls from Pennsylvania on uh, two callers from Pennsylvania. Let's go to Michelle. She's calling from Mifflinsburg, Pennsylvania, WMLP. Uh, Michelle, welcome. You're on with uh, Rich Valdez and Judy Gammon. Go right ahead. Thank you so much. I would like to ask Judy, how much sleep a 75-year-old female would need, and do naps during the day help or hinder that process? And then I wonder, 
too, if, if there are any foods that could help with sleep. In addition, I just heard you say that there are some bad side effects with uh, prescription medicines. Um, could you detail those, please? Sure. I love that you're asking about sleep as, as we age. And, and in your 70s, sleep patterns can definitely change. And what we tend to see uh, at over 65 is that even though we need the seven hours of sleep, sometimes that's inhibited by getting up uh, maybe to go to the bathroom or you just get up and you can't get right back to sleep. And that's when naps really can be helpful. We, we always want to go to sleep and stay asleep as long as possible because when we go to sleep, the longer we stay asleep, those cycles, those sleep cycles actually lengthen, the REM sleep lengthens. And we now know with functional MRI that the longer we're in REM sleep, that deep sleep, the brain actually can wash itself like a washing machine, which helps clear out the plaques and such. And that's a great way to defend things like dementia and Alzheimer's. Now, if you tend to get up in the middle of the night, definitely take those naps. Or if you just feel tired, uh, take, be sure to take a nap. I, I wrote a book called Love, Life, and Lucille, and it was about my friendship with someone who was a centenarian over 100, and she had great advice. She, she would always say, when you're tired, you rest. I mean, it just seems so <laughs> elementary, but, you know, that was someone who lived to, to be just shy of her 104th birthday, and that's a, a good lesson for all of us. If we're tired, we need to pay attention. We need to rest. So that, that, I think, answers your, your first question. Your second question was about, are there any foods? There's a combination that we've used a lot with our patients at Executive Medicine Texas. It's very elementary. We actually got this from somebody that we interviewed on Stay Young America, and this has been great advice we've used with many people with great success, and that is if you have trouble getting to sleep, staying asleep, to eat a half of a banana and a, a teaspoon of peanut butter. You can go all the way up to a, taste, a tablespoon, not, not over that, and definitely not more than the half of the banana because of the sugar intake. But there's actually a chemical reaction between the two, and it really does keep you asleep. The protein in the peanut butter keeps you from waking up, helps you sleep deeper. And then, of course, in, in bananas, we see trace minerals that, that are really good uh, to keep you asleep and electrolytes to keep you asleep and keep you balanced. So this is a, an easy fix. Um, I just always say don't eat the whole banana <laughs> because it, it has the opposite effect, half a banana and a teaspoon up to a tablespoon of, of peanut butter. So the last question you had was about sleep aids and some of those bad side effects. As as we age, and this is especially important, again, when we get into our 70s, is we don't want to be drowsy. So any kind of medication that's going to make us drowsy, so say you took the sleep aid and you got up in the middle of the night because you had to go to the bathroom or for some other reason, and you're drowsy, you're more likely to, to have a fall or be at risk for having a fall. And that is the biggest fear in, in that age group is to fall. We don't want it to break a bone or have an issue. So these are, these are very important things to consider when we talk about mm -hmm. sleep aids. And uh, Sue from Shanksville, Pennsylvania, wants to know the effectiveness of lavender oil and CBD oil. Um, let's see, 30 seconds to you, Judy Gammon. 
Yeah, real quick, lavender oil can, can be good. Lavender tea can be good. Chamomile tea. When you get into CBD, this is very, very important because this is not talked about and we see people all the time in the ER and in practice that, that have this issue. The CBD oil and CBD supplements go through the P450 pathway. There are a lot of medications that go through that same pathway and there can be direct interactions. So very important that you talk to your doctor and they know all the medications you're on before you ever start CBD. Judy Gammon, I want to thank you for being with us. Folks, check her out at judygammon.com. It's Judy, G-A-M-A-N. Thank you for being here. Folks, stick around. Straight ahead, it's Open Phone America. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And our telephone number, if you want to join us in our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. Of course, this is the third and final hour of the program. This is where you get to call on any topic Throughout the evening, you can call on whatever topics we're discussing. But right now, you can call on absolutely any topic, raise any questions, um, bring us up to speed on what's going on in your part of the world. And I'm happy to, you know, have that conversation with you. Uh, again, 833-4-VALDEZ is the number. Quick uh, bit of housekeeping as we move forward. Anybody that's enjoying the show, you guys know that it is repeated as a podcast. And that podcast is a digital replay that's available both on the website at Rich Valdez America at night.com Rich Valdez America at night.com so if you missed any portion of the interviews that we did you can always go back and listen to those but you can also download it as a podcast through your podcast application on your smartphone or Alexa or whatever device you're using so that's that and also because of you um, we've been nominated for a podcast in the government and organizations category of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. So I'm absolutely thrilled with that. And if you want to register your email to be able to vote in August, you can do that. Go to podcastawards.com, podcastawards.com, and enter your email. They'll send you a verification email. Then you could go in and uh, you know input my name and select the name of the show, which is, of course, Rich Valdez, America at Night, and uh, put that in there, and you can be selected uh, via email to vote when voting opens in August. So this is just a preliminary process to register to vote, and then you can actually vote when um, voting opens in August. So uh, if you want to do that and support the program, would love it. I appreciate it, and feel free to do it at podcastawards.com, podcastawards with an S.com. 
Now, I want to get into a few things. There is a story that I wanted to discuss here. Not this one, but this is interesting. Skittles has announced a new limited time flavor. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, it's maybe it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I think they already have lime and, and grape and all those flavors. Well, it's yellow-ish. What do you think it is? All right, I'm, I give up. I'm going to give it to you. It's mustard. It's going to be a mustard-flavored Skittle. That's kind of crazy to me, but that's actually happening. And uh, here's another interesting little tidbit that we've got. Karine Jean-Pierre, now you guys uh, know her. She is the White House press secretary, and, you know, she believes he's she is a historic figure. But today, she couldn't help herself to just sidestep a question of all things, no, it, not about Hunter Biden, no, not about Joe Biden, about their furry little friend, Commander Biden. That's right, the dog that's been biting all of the Secret Service agents. Looks like he's done it again. Listen to this. <laughs> it seems that Commander Biden has a bit of a biting problem. Can you give us the latest and also any plans for him to perhaps make a move, go stay with some family friends as, as Major Biden, the previous dog, did? So, as, as you all know, the White House complex can be unique and very stressful. Uh, and that is something I'm sure you all can understand. And uh, and uh, it is, as I just said, is it, it is unique and it is stressful for all of us. So you can imagine what it's like for a family pet and family pets more more broadly. And so, look, the first family is working through ways uh, to make this situation better for everyone. Now, listen to me. Listen to me very closely. If this woman or Joe Biden or any member of this administration is trying to set up Commander Biden to say that that bag of blow that they found two weeks ago was his, they're going to have a huge problem with me. I will call PETA myself on them. That is unfair. Just because this dog likes to bite people, that's just because he's got uh, bad home training. That has nothing to do with that little baggie of cocaine being his. So don't you dare, Corrine Jean-Pierre, even think about trying to make that correlation. Uh, stressful, as you know, it's very stressful. Yeah, is it stressful? For, do you bite people in the White House, Karine Jean Pierre? Does Joe Biden bite people? No, he sniffs small children. We've seen him do that, but he's never bitten anybody, as far as I can see. I mean, he did try to nibble that one baby, but she was a very cute baby. But I digress. I don't think it's fair what they're trying to do here, and I stand against that at every turn. Now, I want to continue onto something a little bit more serious. <clears throat> And uh, it's hard to maintain seriousness here because, you know, it's not that serious. <laughs> but uh, Joe Biden today was whispering, and um, and that's always, you know, that's, that's always a hoot. Uh, but there's a, a legal analyst that makes his rounds on on CNN and, and you know, Congress people make their rounds on CNN and Representative Madeline Dean on CNN Today said that there is no evidence of any wrongdoing by Biden. Now, I'm not going to dispute whether there's evidence or no evidence because he still has an opportunity to defend himself. But the fact that there's evidence, I mean, is there not an FD 1023, an FBI form that has allegations on it that have now been corroborated by the FBI? Yes, there is, ma'am. So for her to say that uh, yesterday when the, or today when this information was known days ago, 
weeks ago even, but it was confirmed recently, I think is a little bit beyond the pale. But listen to her on with, um, what's his name, Dan Berman. Listen to this. Kevin McCarthy suggests that they may be close to an impeachment inquiry of President Biden. What's your reaction to that? My reaction is, where's the evidence? There is no evidence of any wrongdoing by the president. Uh, and Mr. McCarthy knows that. This is all everything in uh, upside down because uh, the former president, who was a, a so corrupt and crude and base, uh, engaged in such criminal activity, now we're going to try to deflect, or McCarthy's going to try to deflect uh, and try to drag Mr. Uh, Biden into this. Uh, it's actually uh, completely upside down. Again, it's failed leadership. So this, to me, sounds like politics. But again, I think you've got to take things seriously. For people to take you seriously, you can't just say that McCarthy's off his rocker when there's literally, you know, the FBI, who we think is corrupt. Even they're saying, yeah, no, 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 it's true. It's true. That's a, that form actually says that. I mean, if the form actually says it, really, ma'am, really? Come on, you've got to get better at this. Look, we're going to get to your calls right now. I see the calls coming in from... Dallas, from North Carolina, from Pennsylvania. Keep them coming in. We're going to get to you right now, right after this. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Call now, eight three three. For Valdez, that's 833-482-5337. 4 valdez that's Valdez with an S. Put yourselves in our place, doesn't matter who's in the majority or not. You have somebody who went to the FBI they had a 1023, which is the form they talk about, who says he, this is an informant that the FBI continues to use. They heard that there were payments to bribe, allegedly, the vice president at the time, that the bribe would be hard to follow because there were shell companies that it would take you years to get through it. That was one allegation. We have a president who told the American public in October that he's never spoken to his family about any of the business. He said no one in the family had ever gotten money from China. Well, now that is proven not to be correct. So Joe Biden says, no, 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 I've never done business with my son or I, I never spoke to my son about business. Now the story changes when Karine Jean-Pierre says, Joe Biden is not in business with his son. Well, lady, nobody ever said that, right? And we have that audio. Maybe we'll play it later. But McCarthy's right. This is a big deal here. And and I, I think he's doing the right thing, drumming up support. That's how you do this, right? You, you, you take impeachments seriously. And you say, 
Are you impeaching him? Absolutely not. We would never do something so flippant. How dare you? Like Greta Thunberg. How dare you? How dare you? You do that. And then, but what about impeachment? No, no, no. How dare you? And 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 then, oh, you're a rhino. You're this, but all along knowing, of course, we're going to impeach this fool because he's not going to stop committing impeachable offenses. And it doesn't take that much. So he goes ahead and does it. He goes ahead and does it. And then voila, here we are. So listen, I think McCarthy's right on track. This is the way to go. And uh, I, I can't argue with him. This is pretty bad stuff that's happening right now. Anyway, let's go to the calls. Got a lot of people that are interested in weighing in on this. We got calls from California, North Carolina, Dallas. Let's start in Dallas, KLIF. Mike, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, it's first time calling in. I just want to start off by saying I've been listening for a while and I don't call into a lot of shows. Like yours, the only show that I called in on. And I got to say is that you have great guests on. And not only are they great, but they have the credentials, the background, and you always do your homework and you don't cut them off. You let them finish. Um, really appreciate everything you do. So uh, one Thank of the things you. I share in common with you is that uh, I am from New York. I'm originally from Long Island. And then I'm one of those people that migrated down to Texas. This was back <laughs> in the 90s. Oh, wow. And, you, got, uh, you got the memo early. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought it was unaffordable on Long Island in the 80s. That was back in the day when... Grumman was on Long Island and the defense industry was huge. And But anyway, um, mm. the thing I, I, I uh, tell people when I lived in New York, it's hard to convince people in the South that you are Republican and you're from New York. So <laughs> I said, well, the best thing about, uh, you know, living in Texas was when I lived in New York, you know, you could vote Republican all you wanted, but the Democrats won. So now I'm in a state where you can vote. You're, sometimes you, if you didn't go and vote, you're still going to win because you're Republican. But <laughs> either way, um, when you, you know, living in New York, being a Republican on Long Island, you know, you lived around a lot of Democrats and, and things have just changed. And also, I guess my main thrust and thing, and maybe you can give some insights, get some insights from you, is that we had, I don't know, we need bipartisanship. I mean, does the founding fathers, if they saw what's happening today, would they approve? I mean, I feel like, you know, everything's a critical mass. The country's going to melt down. And, and it's like we can't ever find candidates on either side, you know, that, that can work with Congress. And, and we're just so divided. And it's like united we stand, divided we fall. We, you know, which we have goals. We have individual goals. We have goals as a country. Which foot brings us forward, the left foot or the right foot? Which foot is more important to get to those goals? I mean, maybe they need to work together. So maybe that sounds idealistic. But, of course, I favor the right foot. But I'd like to see some bipartisanship, but it just seems far-fetched at this point. You know, Mike, th this is an excellent point. And, and I think this is a reality that I believe we're going to see play out in this particular election. For example, I think that right now everybody in the Republican primary is going to try and hang their hat on Trump is toxic, or at least they tried that, right? Trump is toxic, Trump is toxic. Go with me, I'm the better choice. I'm willing to work with the other side. However, in a Republican party, saying that you're willing to work with the Democrats who are so ideologically opposed to just about anything that Republicans uh, stand for is not a good look. So, you know, in a primary, you've got to run your campaign as, not as a centrist, but as a conservative to really get that gravitas that you need. And that's why most people then go towards the center in the general election to try and get 
that that um, that mass appeal uh, with with everyone else. Uh, I think we're going to see this in this election. And the reason why is because I think Trump is uh, obviously he's in the lead here. And and whether he stays in it or not, I don't know. But I think right now the tone is his to set. And I think when he ran in 2015, 2016, uh, he knew that he needed to jar people and wake them up to things. Talking about illegal immigration and this and that and all these, you know, really provocative things because he needed to make noise in a crowded field. He's in a crowded field now, but he doesn't need to make the noise because he's dominating the field. So if you notice, every time he talks, you know, his rhetoric is tempered down and he's a lot more focused on issues, but not necessarily issues um, that don't resonate or or evoke an emotional response, right? He talks about wokeism and how, you know, there will be no men in girls' sports when I'm elected, right? Things that I think most people can get behind. And as he continues to work on those issues where, where, you know, these things matter to people, I think that's going to bring the country together from every angle, from the left, right, and the center. And that's when you're ultimately able to say, look, you know, we're going to make sure that we protect our kids. We're going to make sure that we restore the economy. I think that type of message is going to resonate, whether it's Trump or whoever else leads in the Republican Party uh, once we see how the primary uh, unfolds. I think they're the ones that are going to focus on that we need to work together, bring the country together type of rhetoric. It's what it's what Biden used in his campaign. But again, he alienated Trump and the MAGA Republicans in order to get there, saying that, you know, they were some sort of white supremacists. So I think that's going to be the angle here. Uh, but when you enter a race like Biden did, saying, you know, I have to get into this race because, you know, Trump and, and his crazies are, you know, running around and they're white supremacists. That doesn't help, right? That that contributes to, to the burning down of society. That contributes to the divisive rhetoric. So I think if if you set the tone right, it doesn't mean that Democrats are going to follow suit, but it does mean that re- Republicans can uh, get with that program. And eventually that may that may be the only way, right? If, if somebody's arguing against you, no, because you're a white supremacist and you kind of like just don't go there and stay focused on the economy and focused on things that matter to people. I think ultimately people care a lot more about how much eggs cost and what's in their pocket and what it costs to fill their gas tank than whether so-and-so is a white supremacist or not. Anyway, Mike, thank you for the call from KLIF in Dallas. Big shout out to you guys over there. Texas in the building, and we're going to continue with your call straight ahead. South Carolina, California, North Carolina, as soon as we return. Of course, the phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDES is the number. If you want to get me on social media, feel free to chime in that way, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And anybody who's... uh, registering to vote next month in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. I appreciate that. That website is podcastawards.com, podcast awards, plural, podcast awards with an S at the end, dot com. And you can register your email. Just make sure you verify your email when they send you the link. All right, we're coming right back. Your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. We're still doing it. I'm Rich Valdez. 
my hands across America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. I don't know what the difference between breaking your arm and having a mental breakdown is. It's health. There's no distinction. It's health. Yes. Thank God we have a president that's very healthy and he he doesn't know how to distinguish between a a broken arm or anything else. But I get what he's saying. And he's right. Everybody needs access to health care. And I think most people have this access. Uh, whether it's affordable access or not, I think is another question. And that's what, you know, he's doing and selling a, a socialized program uh, that I may or may not be against. But I thought it was a very funny clip. And one of our callers mentioned it, so I want to get his reaction to that. Let's go to Matt in Moorhead City, North Carolina, WTKF. Matt, go right ahead. Yes, sir, Rich. How are you tonight? I am wonderful, thank God. Blessed to be here and, and really honored and happy to be here. Very good, sir. Um, I, I think for um, Biden to say that he doesn't know the difference between a mental breakdown and a broken arm. Uh, that kind of says it all that he's in no shape to be the president of the United States. What are your, what's your opinion? Well, I'm not going to tell you to break his arm because that would be wrong. But it looks like he's already had a mental breakdown. So maybe until he breaks his arm, he won't know the difference. But it, it is crazy, right? And he was trying to make an example. It just wasn't a good one. Definitely uh uh, not something one of his speechwriters wrote or something that they wrote and they should be fired. because That's a horrible comparison. But Matt, I think the, uh, the, the, the president is in a tough spot where he's got to make sure that everything he says is kind of foolproof because people are going to take him to task on it. Right. I'm going to call him Joe El Baboso Biden. Lots of people are going to make fun of him. And, and he, he's easy to make fun of because he's just not he's not pulling his weight. As no matter how much cover they provide for him in the media, you know, that talk about Bidenomics and Bidenomics and Bidenomics, find me somebody who's in business going, man, this is the best economy ever. Okay, a couple of used car salesmen, those guys are making a ton of cash right now. Is it because of Biden per se? Not necessarily, but okay, I'll let him take that win. But everybody else, everybody else who's got to go and buy those same used cars, I mean, again, like I said, I bought my kid a car older than 10 years old, and I paid a bunch of money for it, way more than I should have, because they're hard to find. So I understood the rarity of it. Uh, but there's scarcity with new cars, and they cost so much. I know a guy who's got a 2020 or t- 2019, and it was coming off his lease, and he was they gave him the option to buy it. He bought it because it was just a few thousand dollars less than what a brand new one would cost, but literally just like two or 3,000 less. And he thought, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to this because I have it already. And they told him you might have to wait. You won't get the color you want. Uh, This is insanity to think that you can drive a car for three years, put put, uh, a, a fair amount of miles on it, and then still be worth almost exactly what a brand new one is worth. We're, we're in such an interesting place that I've never seen. So I think most Americans are looking at this and they're thinking, we've got to do better. We've got to do better. And no matter how many times Biden and his, his team of economic advisors, Matt, can come out here and say, 
oh, but we've had inflation, you know, going down every every so-and-so, every month we're going down a little bit more. You, you can fool a good percentage of the people. I, you know, old saying, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. I think it was Lincoln that said that. This is one of those things where I believe in that, but I think you can build on that, right? If Biden's lying to everybody and then they're helping him, now you can fool a lot of people. And and that may be enough to get him reelected. That's why I wish Kamala Harris, que mala eres. I wish she was the one that was running because we'd have a, a slam dunk win, in my opinion. Let's see if I'm right or wrong. But that's my thought on that one, Matt. With Donald Trump, who I'm voting for. Yeah, well, listen, I think this is Trump's to win, right? Trump is clearly, he's got half or more than half of everybody that's polling in the primary that's that's uh, supporting him. You know, the other half are evenly, not even, uh, you know, uh, disparately spread out amongst the other candidates. I, I don't believe that Ramaswamy, even though I think he's polling in number two, in, in many of the polls, I don't believe he sticks around. Like, he doesn't ever really become president. That's just my thought. Um, I could be wrong, but th- that's my thought, uh, as neither do the others. So it, it seems um, really, again, in my opinion, this is Trump's to lose. He's got this. He's just got to maintain that momentum. And, of course, they're going to hit him as hard as they can. Several of them are going to surge when he appears at the debate which I do think, even though he said he wasn't going to appear, I'm pretty sure he's going to appear. Trump loves a good fight. and uh, But again, maybe this is the new Trump that we're watching where he's going to say, you know what, I'm already in the lead. It makes no sense for me to go uh, unless he wants to get the other half of those voters. And he very well may, right? That's what made me a Trump supporter early on was seeing him debate 15 or 16 um, of uh, the politicians that I'd known and respected and seeing how handily he took them out. And I said, you know what, this guy, this guy's where it's at. So we, we will definitely see how that plays out. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, let us continue here with Jeff. Jeff is in Nevada city, California, KNCO, the other side of the country. Jeff, you're on with rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Well, good evening y'all. And I do appreciate your show and, and you're doing a real good job in my opinion. Now, Thank you. listen to everybody. Everybody's talking about trying to put the coke on Commander the dog. <laughs> <laughs> How about if we do a random pop-up test on Kamala at us? Now, remember. Uh, uh, you know what? I think you're right there, Jeff. I think Kamala at us, the vice president, I think she's probably my number one suspect. Well, with him. Did, <laughs> did you get that? Downtown Willie Brown, mayor of San Francisco. Remember all that controversy? Most people oh, don't. Yeah. <laughs> but he running across the Bay Bridge over to Oakland. Hey, let's go party, girls. <laughs> Think <laughs> about that for a second. How to get there? <laughs> yeah, right. Again, and I, I didn't even put that to, to put together. I just thought, who had the most to gain? Right. And I said, well, uh, Trump probably. But how would Trump or anybody related to Trump get anywhere close to the Biden White House? That wasn't going to happen. Commander would bite them. So then, obviously, we had to uh, go to who's the biggest Democrat that could stand to win here? Kamala Harris. Because if Vice President Kamala Harris doesn't, um, you know, if she's not getting along with the Biden administration and she, she's, nobody's pushing her out there and he's not really campaigning with her, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting situation, no, Jeff? 
I'm, you know, I just sit back. All I could do is laugh and just <laughs> watch them fall. Right. All these people eventually reveal themselves by their own actions. So true. Great point. Big shout out to you in Nevada City, California, KNCO. Uh, love California. Love you guys in that area. Great station, by the way. And we're going to get to the rest of your calls. South Carolina is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words we the people we the people tell the government what to do it doesn't tell us we the people are the driver the government is the car and we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our Constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. It's we, the people, that are a free people. Amen to that. This is why I love who El Rushbo used to call the late Ronaldus Magnus because he was so spot on, whether it's great speech writers or great delivery, both whatever, what have you, it, it's, it hits for me. It hits, right? This is about we the people, not us, the government. All right, let us go now to Abe, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, WRNN. Abe, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Good evening, Rich. How are you? Super. Thank God. Awesome. Um, so, so I wanted to get your take on the Obama story, you know, with the chef and, and, you know, just the bizarre events they keep see, you know, seemingly keep surrounding um, a, a lot of the uh, parties, you know, Hillary, et cetera, Obama, you know, from that, from that group. And I, I think what bothers me the most is the fact that, you know, where we should be, you know, sad and, and, and saying what, you know, terrible tragedy, which you feel terrible for the family. Why is it that everybody thinks that there's more to the story and that, um, that some of these people are morally and, and from a character standpoint, very questionable. And why are we okay as a country with continuously electing people that we have questions about their character and, you know, what bothers me the most, I mean, Joe Biden, and it's been a very difficult, uh, you know, period. 
But but you know, every time I see the picture with him and Hunter and the smirk, it, it's just like there's something not right there. And and I don't understand why people are, are okay with that. Abe, there's a lot in there. And and uh I, I think a lot of this has to do with me and other people, right? Or other people and I. Uh, and a lot of things, right? There, there are always going to be people. There is an entire industry of that that peddles conspiracy theories for for profit, for for commercial purposes. There's also an entire industry that does this for the sake of splitting people off into groups to gain momentum for certain political causes. Meaning, if I can tell you, right? There's probably a lot of things that Joe Biden might do that are bad, uh, but. You know, I'm going to pick a few. There's um, he's got this dog that he's forcing to live in the White House and he's obviously unhappy and he's biting people, but he won't let him go back home to Delaware. He forces him to live there. You might get some dog lovers and say, you know, Joe Biden's a real jerk for doing that. But then, you know, you look at other things and you go, oh, what he's done on the economy and and, and you, you keep polling and eventually you get to a place where you go, what if we ask people what you think about how Joe Biden uh, really doesn't do anything to stop the trafficking of young children at our southern border. Now, this is something that evokes a very uh, emotional response from people because people don't like it when you mess with children. And they'll take that same anger, ire, that angst, and focus it on Biden. So it would make sense if a, if somebody that is an enemy of Biden's, whether a political enemy, a foreign enemy, uh Putin, China, you name it, anybody would start to um, to make stories like that and, you know, through troll farms or however, to go ahead and, and put stories like that out there saying, you know, this is uh, Biden being sympathetic to child trafficking. And, and then from there, it's just a hop, skip and a jump away from any propagandist that wants to say Joe Biden's a pedophile, right? And this is now how you, you play the telephone game with stories like this. And this turns people's stomach. So I think when you when you look at it that way and you realize that there's always going to be somebody, look, I don't like Joe Biden. I don't. I, I don't like his policies. I don't think um, that they're good for America. Uh, but I don't hate Joe Biden either. And I don't think that Joe Biden is, is doing all these evil things to small children. And I don't think he's killing people either. Uh, the same way I, I, I believe the story. I, call me gullible. Call me... Uh, you know, a softie here, but I don't think that anything happened with the Obama's chef. What could he have possibly done? Like, where, where's the motive? Where's the story? And I'm sure we're going to hear a ton of them. And, you know, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But it doesn't make sense for me to put my mental energy into something like that. Now, the same thing with the Clintons. I mean, it, it, we're at a point now where if somebody who ever worked around Bill or Hillary Clinton dies, oh, well, you know, they, they got that one now. At, make it 52 bodies now. And and while it's funny, it's not funny, right? And it's just like, come on, I can't prove that, so I can't sit here and make those allegations. But I understand that there are a lot of people out there that live for this stuff, right? I mean, I, I've got a little threads that come my way every single day, and people are constantly telling me about the UN, and they're working with NATO, and NATO's working with the WEF, and they're all working together, and there's going to be martial law, and the blue helmets are going to come in and take over, and Blah, blah, blah. And I've been hearing this for years. So all I can say is I try my best to turn a, you know, I listen to stuff, I consider it, and I move on and turn a blind eye to anything I just don't think is is plausible and possible. 
And, uh, and I could definitely be wrong, right? There's a lot of people smarter than I that know much more than me. But I can't live my life in fear. And I can't live my life thinking that this is happening, that's happening, that they're going to do that, they did this, they did that. Uh, all I can do is call what I see the way I see it. And ultimately, the way I see it is usually through a political lens for the sake of political power, even if there's some criminality involved, like taking a bribe like Biden's. Uh, I think the Bidens here, these are guys that have never really worked, right? They haven't had a business outside of getting money through politics. So this is what they know. Are these guys hired guns? Are these guys former um, intel officers? And are they Putin? No. Putin's a guy that you tell me now, this guy uses poison to take care of his enemies. I believe every word because that's where, where he came from. That's literally his background. But that's not Joe Biden's background. That's not uh, Slick Willie Bill Jefferson Clinton. That's not his background. So I think so many of these people, uh, again, I don't put it past them. But I'm not going to lump them all into the same group and say that they're a bunch of uh, evil killers. If anything, they're just really bad politicians. And maybe they're guilty of that. But who am I to judge, right? Anyway, that's my uh, thought on that, Abe. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, No defense of any Democrat, but I'm not here to put them in jail for crazy stuff either. More to come straight ahead. I'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, and let's go to Scott, Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Scott, what's the difference between a uh, broken elbow or whatever it was he said and a mental breakdown? Well, one's an event. One's very quantifiable. I, I can tell you roughly with a with a range what it costs to treat a a, a broken arm. You know, uh, there's the X-ray. There's the doctor. You know, putting the cast on. You know, there's the come back in 12 weeks. We'll take the cast off. Mm-hmm. That's easy to quantify in terms of dollars. Now, mental breakdown is a very vague term. Uh, if you wanted to break it down like nervous breakdown, which is supposed to be something you can objectively uh, diagnose, but the the treatment is maybe the president needs subjective. to bring you on staff, Scott, so that you could kind of explain that to him. Can I make a political prediction? Um, well, Go for it. You got uh, thirty seconds. Okay, Bronny uh, had the heart attack, and. I think, uh, based on the topics at work today with my black coworkers, a lot of them, first thing they thought of was the vaccine. And I'm wondering if this will redound to RFK's benefit, uh, if he'll split some of the black vote away uh, over the vaccine. It might be. We'll have to take a look at that as it happens. Thank you, Scott. Big shout out to WTMA. And folks, take care, good night, and God bless. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez. We're going to do this all again tomorrow. Until then, keep it locked right on this station because there's a lot of great radio coming up right now.
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.